Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. So if you have your Bibles and join me in Genesis 28 and verse number 10. This is a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. And... Uh, for, I think, at least the majority, uh, you will understand where we're going. I want to cover it, I hope, well enough that everybody that perhaps is not even familiar with this will understand. Genesis 28 and 10, the Bible says, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place. And tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place, that certain place that was mentioned, and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places where thou goest, and I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken, of, spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Amen. I want to just preach to you today from this thought, the assurance of God. The assurance of God. Amen. I'm thankful that I can count on him. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I know that we all face times in our lives where we are discouraged or we feel some measure of despair. Sometimes we... We stand at intersections where our future just seems uncertain. I remember several years ago taking a course in Indiana uh, for a chaplaincy course uh, that was sponsored by Ursuline uh, School of Theology. And I remember one of the professors that taught a, a, a class one afternoon started talking about lost dreams, lost dreams. And I really wasn't sure where he was going uh, when he gave his title. But as he stood there before the class that afternoon, there was just something about the spirit of honesty and openness that was 
actually it was just captivating. That's the only way I know how to put it as he began to talk about lost dreams. In that, he began to share uh, of his desire as a child to be in the military. As long as he could remember, he, that's what he desired to do. And he wanted to be a part of the military and then hopefully in latter years of his life to be involved in some form of, uh, of police work of some sort. And then as a teenager, he suffered an injury that forever prohibited him being allowed or permitted to serve in any capacity of the military. And so as a young man that had lived his whole life with his trajectory set in one direction, and then all of a sudden to have that dream and that hope to be forever eradicated. And of course, this would affect his ability to perform as a policeman and things of that nature. And so he just talked about how he had to deal with lost dreams. There are some things that just simply slip through our fingers. It's just an opportunity that was there. It existed for a season of time, perhaps, and then it is, it is lost. God is so good in his mercy and his wisdom, and, and we understand that while sometimes things are, to some degree, forever lost, God has a way of coming back. <laughs> and uh, this young man poured himself into, as a young man, this gentleman poured himself into education. And uh, he began uh, to just pour himself into getting degrees. And, and uh, he was obviously raised in church and was doing all the right things. And uh, today is still a very, very prominent voice uh, among the staff of that institution. And God has allowed him to at least come full circle where he works in chaplaincy for a local police department and sheriff's office there. And so God did grant him to some degree. It wasn't quite what he thought, but God just kept his hand upon him. And so I said all of that to say this, that there are times in our lives when we do face legitimate measures of discouragement and despair because circumstances or situations happen that just brings a measure or a hint of uncertainty to our future. Amen. Life may be falling apart as a result of our own wrong decisions. I think we could say amen to that. Or sometimes situations fall apart through no fault of our own. They just happen. Things just happen. I think for the most part, this is just the result of living in a fallen world. And that's what we have to come in terms with, come to terms with. We are living in a sin-saturated world. And so regardless of who you are, doubt and discouragement and uncertainty can affect various aspects of our lives. Now, I didn't come to paint your world gray, so just stay with me for a moment. But I've met people who claim they've never had a bad day, never been discouraged, never been down. Well, uh, if you're here today, then you're probably not going to get a whole lot out of this. But... Uh, <laughs> You have permission to sign on to your Facebook account and just chat away. But for the other 99.9% .9 of us, I'd like for us to sit at rapt attention. <laughs> Did you say discouraged? I'm listening. <laughs> Did you say despair? Yes. We might be uncertain about our inabilities or our ability to fulfill sometimes obligations that we have, even ministerial obligations that we have. 
to really recognize whether or not we're going to be able to fulfill what we feel like God has placed in our heart. We may be uncertain as to whether or not material needs would be met. I mean, we've all been there to wonder if, if there's going to be enough at the end of it all to bring all the ends together. We may be uncertain about personal relationships in our lives. We may be uncertain about our physical health. And, I, and the list obviously could go on and on and on. There's a lot of areas of life to be touched by uncertainty. It's during these seasons of uncertainty that we need a word of encouragement. And when I say that, please don't misunderstand me to have said that what we need is some callous, cold slap on the back from someone that just says from another zip code, everything's going to be all right. We need a word of encouragement that can come along beside us. And uh, I remember my Aunt Merle who has uh, sang for many years a song entitled, If You'll Move Over Just a Little Bit. I'll help you carry your load. And there's a lot of truth to that and a lot of hope and encouragement to that. And so we don't need somebody to just a word of encouragement that's just kind of one size fits all, but somebody that can come along beside us or a word that can come alongside of us and attach itself to our spirit right where we are. The good news is that we have this and can have this need met because of God and through God, through his word and through his spirit, God can bring an assurance to us during times of uncertainty. I'm thankful for the word of God. I've, I've been very open about the many times that I've been reading the Bible. And, uh, you know, I, I make I, 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 everything about my life is wrapped up in this book. And I'm not saying that boastfully. It's just a part, a parcel of who I am as a pastor. And so there's a, there's a Bible sitting right beside my chair at all times or um, of course, in the day of modern technology, they're in your, on your phone and everywhere else, your iPad and computers and things of that nature. So the Word of God is right there. But I have no idea how many times I've been reading the Bible, and then all of a sudden you read a passage and you go, wow. I, I, for one thing, I'm not sure I even knew that Scripture was there. But if I did recognize it, I'm, I'm confident that I didn't really have it minister to me the way it did just right then. And God can just assure you that everything is going to be all right. And so I'm thankful for his word, but I'm also thankful for the spirit of God that just sometimes settles us, that settling spirit. And uh, just sometimes a hand on your shoulder can just be enough. It can be enough. There have been times when you don't know what to say and perhaps there's not anything to say, but when you can just stand beside somebody, put your arm around them or hold their hand or put your hand on their shoulder and that just seems to be enough. I don't want to sound too strange here, but I feel like there have been times in my life that God just put his hand on my shoulder. He didn't really say anything. There was no profound word of instruction. There was nothing that just that came along and said, oh, now I have all the answers, but I just felt the hand of God just, uh, so to speak, just put his hand on my shoulder and you just realize that God is assuring me that everything will be all right. Amen. And that in word of encouragement that just talks us up and speaks us into uh, a position that we are able to give birth to something in our own life. I remember many years ago now, uh, our son was trying to learn how to ride a bicycle and as m most all of us did uh, in, trying to, in trying to accomplish that feat, we had fallen a few times, skinned a few elbows and a few knees and because he's not really a fan of pain, he gets that from me. 
he didn't. He just gave up. He just didn't want to do that anymore. And so we'd try to talk him into it, and and nothing would work. He was just willing at that point, I think, to live his whole life without a bicycle. We had an evangelist friend who was preaching revival for us, and and uh, he had spent many years of his life as a school teacher, and so he knew how to deal with children. He knew how to relate to them, and. So one day we were just sitting, they were at our house, and we were just sitting there, and Brother Cotrere, some of you may remember that name, Brother Cotrere just looked at our son, and he said, you look like a bicycle riding dude to me. <laughs> and uh, he just kept on and on and on. He'd just say, you know, you just really look like a bicycle riding kind of guy. And we just watched that fear start turning to courage. And he just kept talking up and bragging about what a great, he just looked like a bicycle rider. And after a while, we saw Brother Cotrier and Justin out here on the front road, and he was pushing him, and away he went. And he's been riding a bicycle ever since. (laughs) It would be really funny to insert that he was only 17. But he got it. <laughs> that was, that's, that's the main point. I'm sorry. I'm, that, that was just too open. I could not. Some of you would have been disappointed if I hadn't stepped through that door. You, you knew that was there. That word of God that just assures us. That word that just comes along beside us and speaks something often enough until it breathes some life back into us. And I'm thankful for that word of God. And so I'm thankful that his spirit can touch us and minister to us. I've said this, that God's spirit, we are never so high or so low that the spirit of God can't minister to us at our point of need. And so we don't have to be on some horizontal plane in order for God to be able to reach or fix us. But... We can be high and he can touch us and bring us back down to earth or we can be in a well of despair and his spirit can flow down to wherever we are. I'm thankful that God can minister to us at our point of need. The good news, I'm thankful for that good news of his word. In fact, this particular passage of scripture contains a few things that we need to remember during these seasons of our lives. Jacob was facing a very uncertain future. Jacob had not lived the best life, he had not made the right decisions, and he had certainly not treated others around him in a respectful fashion. He was far from home and was not ever sure he was going to be able to go back. Seemingly alone in a hostile world with no guarantee that he was not going to be hunted down and even killed by his oldest brother Esau because he knew that Esau was coming after him and it was going to be way more than a handshake. He realized, I've, I've told enough stories, I've done enough wrong that if, if life catches up with me, I'm in trouble. And it's at this moment that life had kind of closed in. And so Jacob was experiencing this very uncertain season outside of the most obvious needs, of course, like clothing and shelter and, and food and things of that nature. Jacob needed a word of assurance. I think there's very little debate concerning the fact that he didn't deserve anything from God. He had actually earned 
the miserable position that he found himself in. And so if we want to be real uh, human, we can just say, well, he deserves what he gets. And somebody could have said, well, I told you it was going to wind up like this, but that's not what we're talking about. Amen. There's very little debate that he didn't deserve anything from God. But I'm going to tell you something. We've all been right there ourselves. We didn't deserve God to touch us, to speak, to let us feel his presence. But God in his mercy came to Jacob despite the scars of his past. And so if we could go back to verses 10 through 12, the Bible says Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran and he lighted or landed upon a certain place, a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place, that place of uncertainty and he placed them as pillows and he laid down in that place of uncertainty to sleep. Amen, I'm inserting some things there because I want you to understand where he is. He's not at the Ritz-Carlton. He's not where everything is well. He's not where everything is sure. He's not in his own bed, in his own home. But he is surrounded with uncertainty. But he makes a pillow there and makes a bed there. Verse 12 says, And he dreamed, behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to the heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. According to history, Jacob was about 70 miles into an approximate 450-mile journey to Haran. He needs rest, but the evening has come. It's time to make camp. He can no longer forge ahead. And so he reaches what the scripture just calls a certain place. A place was not especially noteworthy. It doesn't have a name. There was no indication that it was a town or a village of any sort. It was not known for uh, its history of there being divine interventions here. And so there's nothing spiritual about this. It wasn't like he had come to a camp where he knew the presence of the Lord would certainly minister to me here. There was nothing particularly holy or special or sacred at all about this place. It was just a place of dirt. It was just a place of stones. And so Jacob had no reason to expect anything outside of just getting a full night sleep. Nothing out of the ordinary. Soon after Jacob goes to sleep, God comes to him in a dream. I think one of the most uh, things that, one of the most important things that we can take away from this story, even, even at this juncture is this, is that sometimes God has the ability to show up in unexpected ways and in unexpected places. I know that we came here today intentionally And we came here with a great sense of expectation, or at least I hope you came with a sense of expectation that God would speak, amen, and we know this is a holy house, a sacred place. Many years ago, right after the completion of this building, it was dedicated to the Lord. And then a few years ago, when we remodeled the sanctuary, we rededicated it again to the Lord because we want this to be a place set aside just for you and just for the Lord to move in our lives and minister to us. But, but sometimes God moves outside of Sunday and Wednesday and outside of these hallowed walls. God can just show up in unexpected places and he can move in unexpected ways. 
and, and, and you may be doing something that's just exceptionally common, especially common. You may be in your home working. You may be on your job working. You may be riding down the road when all of a sudden the Spirit of God just moves in and begins to minister or assure or calm us in some way. God's not limited to just showing up at so-called spiritual places such as the house of God or at spiritual times such as our, our times of coming together for worship. But God can just move anywhere at any time. I'm thankful for the assurance of the Lord. I felt the assurance of the Lord standing in funeral homes. I, stand, I felt the assurance of the Lord standing in hospital rooms gathered with families in prayer. I felt the assurance of God with families as we gathered in waiting rooms as someone was going into surgery to just say, God, we need your help today. And we don't know what we're going to find. The, the doctor says, we don't know what we're going to do, the, the surgeon says, but we're standing there and we feel that warm embrace of God's hand. Not an answer, not clear cut. There's no, there's no prophetic word. It was just the assurance of God that somehow everything is gonna be all right. It may not come out like we want it. It may not be what we're expecting, but God is saying it's going to be okay, the assurance of God. I think we ought to lift our hands. <laughs> oh, I love you, Jesus. God, I love you, Jesus. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. In this case, God visits and encourages Jacob in a special dream. In a dream, Jacob sees what the scripture calls a ladder. Some commentaries refer to this perhaps as a more like a staircase or something that would go into heaven uh, from earth to heaven. The scripture also says that, that angels were ascending and descending or angels were going up and down. Angels were, I think, just doing what angels do. <laughs> Jacob, you may be in a place of uncertainty. You, you may have never been where you are right here in this geographic longitude and latitude. You may have never been where you are emotionally or mentally or spiritually, but I want to show you something. Amen. Jacob, I think, fully understood the symbolism of the stairway being a place or a ladder that he would understand that as a place of access to God. I have access I've made a lot of wrong decisions. <laughs> I've fumbled the ball on many occasions. But the Lord said, I want to show you something. You still have access to me, and I still have access to you. Hallelujah. To me, the most special things about this particular moment is this, that even though Jacob felt lost to himself at this particular time, the dream here was affirming the fact that that the Lord and his angels were not only present, but they were active. And I want to clarify those two things. They weren't just present, standing with folded arms, watching to see, Jacob, what are you going to do? But the angels were doing what angels do. Amen. They were busy. They were active. Your world may be disrupted. Your world may be interrupted, but my world Everything is all right. You still have access to me. I still have access to you. And the angels are still going about their business, even during this season of uncertainty. Up to this point, here's what we find in this passage of timeless truths. God somehow shows up at this unexpected time and this unexpected place. And God is present and active, even when Jacob was unaware 
that God was all around him. I wonder what would happen besides scaring the bananas out of us. I wonder what would happen if we could just see with spiritual eyes for just a moment right now. You think that's too weird? I wonder what would happen if we could just see with a spiritual eye right now those angels that are camped out on the hillsides that are standing around this building right now that are standing right here around us. I think I'm in scripture and don't get uncomfortable because I'm talking about angels. Amen. Psalms 91 said he's given angels charge over us concerning us. Lest we dash our foot against the stone, they would be there to bear us up. That's word. <laughs> That's word. I can't see my angel. I can't see your angel, but I'm telling you, I have a promise of God. I have a promise of God, and so I know that the angels are present and they're active. Even if I'm not aware of them, they are with me. In verses 13 through 15, the Lord speaks to Jacob, and it's from these verses that, that we discover some very important things that I think we must be intentional about holding on to, especially in times of uncertainty. The Bible says in Genesis 28, 13, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac. This is what he said, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it into thy seed. Now, I mean, he's in the last place in the world to feel like he's in a position to receive something from God. He's thinking he's gonna receive nothing but death from the hands of his brother. Or maybe others that were, didn't have such a pleasant taste in their mouth about him. And so he said, now I've got a promise of the Lord where you're lying, where you've made your bed to thee, that land, I'm gonna give it to you and to your seed and then in verse 14, And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and I will bring thee again into this land. For I will not, I will not, for I will not leave thee. Amen, I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. No matter how far you feel God is removed from you, no matter how distant you feel God is in your life right now, the promise is this, I am not going to leave you until I have fulfilled everything that I said I would do. <laughs> Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey, it's easy to believe that when you feel all warm and fuzzy and you feel like God is in your lap or you're all nestled up in his lap, when we feel like John nestled in the bosom of Jesus, it's not hard to believe this stuff. But when you say Jesus and you don't feel warm and fuzzy, but you say Jesus and it comes out like Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> Echoing across the hills of nothingness. Little bit harder to get your hands around that. Little bit 
bit harder to wrap your mind around that. But in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, God comes to him and says, I just got one thing I want to clear up in your mind. He said, I'm going to give you what I promised unto your forefathers that I would give and I'm not going to leave you until I have dotted every I and I have crossed every T. Amen. Jacob, you may have made some wrong turns, but I didn't make a wrong turn. You may have changed your mind, but I haven't changed my mind. And so I am with thee. And so when in certain uncertain times, we've got to remember the promises of God. They are yea and amen. <laughs> I don't expect everybody to get this illustration, but in, in, our, in our prison ministry, uh, a, a lot of times when men and, and women, but a lot of times when a person is incarcerated, they are, they are used to, uh, they're used to people not keeping their word. Understand they probably haven't kept their word at some point too. But, but your word is a very valuable thing if you say something. And so one of the things that we're all taught in training uh, to, to be a part of ministries like this is don't ever promise you're going to do something and not do it. Amen. I see men that have worked in that profession that are shaking their heads right. You, you just don't say anything before you say you're going to do something and not do it. And so a few, uh, that's just kind of the code. And so a few weeks ago, some of our men were at one of the prisons and they were baptizing several men. And uh, <laughs> there's one very, very big man. I don't mean an overweight man, just a, uh, just a giant of a man. And, uh, and so he had asked Brother Bobby Gibson if he would baptize him. And, and Brother Bobby Gibson said, sure, I'll baptize him. And so... He said, I, I want, he wanted you to be in the water with him. That was the thing. I want you to be in the water with me. And so when they, when they got there, Brother Gibson, they didn't have uh, the, the appropriate waiters to, to be able to, for him to be able to fulfill that promise, so to speak. So he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to just stand on the outside. I'm going to, it's in the floor. He said, I'm going to kneel down here on the outside and I'm going to baptize you on the outside. And he said, uh-uh. That's not what you said. You said you would get in the water with me. And so Brother Bobby Gibson reached in his pocket and pulled out a switchblade and said, well, just may the best man win here. <laughs> this, this man from the floor is about this tall, and I, I'm, not, I'm almost not exaggerating there. And so Brother Bobby said, you know what? I'll, I'll keep my word. And he had a suit on from church. And he just got down in the baptistry and baptized that man because it was his word. Our word is our bond. Amen. I, I said that to say this, that we got to remember the promises. When God says he will do something, he will do it. Amen. And Brother Bobby Gibson didn't reluctantly do that either. I'm just, I'm just using it as an illustration that if that's what we need to do, that's what I'm going to do. And they had sent us a picture of that baptism after they got in the, after they got in the parking lot. And they were, they were kind of celebrating, sent me a, a picture of that. And I looked at my wife. I said, he looks wet. <laughs> I didn't really understand the whole story, but I found out later. He was wet. He didn't just look wet. He was wet. And so I, I'm thankful that that I understand the concept that I have to remember the promises of God. The first thing God reminds Jacob of is this. 
Amen. I have made you a promise. I've made a promise, as a matter of fact, beyond you. I made a promise to your father Isaac. I made a promise to your grandfather to give the very land which you're asleep now on. I've already promised that land to this seed. So I'm not backing out now just because things are not going well. And so at this point in Jacob's journey, his return to the land and future descendants are very uncertain. And so that has to be an encouraging promise that it's all going to be okay. Everybody all right? I've gotten off on here on a couple of personal illustrations, but I'll get back on track. Here's what I take away from this passage. No matter how uncertain the season, don't forget the promises of God. Years ago, I've referred to this many times through the years, and I don't say this apologetically, but years ago, I heard Brother David Forrest stand and say, what God has promised you in the sunlight of his love, don't ever forget in the midnight hour. Amen. So in the midnight hour, don't forget what he promised us at noonday. And so I'm going to hold on to that. And so this principle is not only true for Jacob, but I certainly think it's true for us as well. When we're facing difficult times, uncertain times, we need to open God's word and let him remind us of what he has promised. It seems that we have a choice. I guess we do in many cases. We can worry or we can be strengthened by the promises of the Lord. So we, we should also never forget the presence of God. What a, what a wonderful thing. We know that God is with us. Genesis 28 and 15 begins with this statement. This is God speaking to Jacob at this moment of uncertainty. Genesis 5, 28 15 opens with these words. Behold, I am with thee. Right here in the middle of all this nothingness, I am with thee. Jacob felt alone, but he never really was alone, and neither are we. And so holding on to the promises had to be a source of strength for him and it has to be a source of strength for us as children of God. If we look back through scripture, we find this. David said in Psalms 23, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Thou art with me. And so I have that assurance that you're here. Jesus encouraged his disciples in Matthew 28 by reminding them that I am with you always. I will be with you. Hebrews 13 and 5 teaches us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. God's word to Jacob here is no different than his word to others and his word to us. I am with you. And it doesn't mean that we're we're not going to it doesn't mean that we will escape the storms of life. Right. Amen. However, the knowledge of his presence in these storms can give us peace and confidence. The Bible says in Isaiah 45, I mentioned this in our meeting yesterday, the Lord mentioned this that he would hold our hands. He said talks about holding the right hand of Cyrus and he said I will go before you and make crooked places straight. Another scripture later down talks about tearing down, that he would tear down gates of brass or gates of iron. I think that the crooked places represent seasons of difficult, difficulty or, or uncertainty. It's just crooked places. You can't make sense. You can't see around the corner. Amen. Gates represent literal blockades or impossibilities. But either way, what God was saying to Cyrus in Isaiah 45 is this. Whether it's a season of uncertainty or a season of impossibilities, I am going to go with you. (laughs) And I will make a way where there seems to be no way or where there is no way. Another thing we can't forget is that no matter where we are, we have the divine protection of the Lord. Amen. And that's the next thing that God reminds Jacob of. In Genesis 28 again, it not only says, I am with thee, but he also says, and I will keep thee in the place whither thou goest. 
I'm not just with you, but I will keep you. I'm going to protect you. This did not mean that Jacob was not going to have anything bad or hurtful to happen to him along the way, but it meant that Jacob didn't have anything to worry about ultimately because God was going to keep him. And I think in light fashion, we don't need to fear what we face because God has promised to watch over us. Now, to understand this principle, stay with me for just one moment here. To understand this principle, we got to realize, we have to realize that God protects us from harm, but not necessarily from hurt. I mean, you may think I'm splitting hairs here, but Dr. Henry Cloud, author of the book entitled Necessary Endings, he makes the following statement. He said, there's a huge difference between hurt and harm. We all hurt sometimes in facing hard truths, but it makes us grow. That's not harmful. Harm is when you damage someone. Facing a reality is usually not a damaging experience, even though it can hurt. And so there is a difference between hurt and harm. And so we have to recognize that God will protect us from harm but not necessarily from hurt. Hurt is a part of life sometimes. We may be hurt by others. We may be hurt by life. We may be hurt by sickness or even death, but God can protect us from being mortally wounded within. Amen. I know that discouragement and things will come, but we have to be very careful that we don't allow an offense to get in our spirit. You can get hurt. Amen, but, but, but harm can come when an offense gets in your spirit and it becomes an open, seeping wound. Finally, we can never afford to forget that God is our provider. Again, in Genesis 28 and 15, goes on to say, and behold, I am with thee and I will keep thee. Amen, that's a key phrase. In all the places whether thou goest. The promise in verse 15 is to keep in other words, to provide for, to take care of. I will keep thee whether, wherever you go. Whether, where, wherever you go, I'm going to keep you. I will preserve you. That means Jake, that God was going, promising to provide for Jacob's need in addition to protecting him from harm. He said, I'm going to take care of your needs. It's very apparent to me that Jacob understood this portion of the dream because of what we read in verse 20. And I want you to jump, to jump there with me. Verse number 20, the Bible says, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on. God had promised to provide all these needs. And Jacob says, Well, since you're going to do that. Now, understand this. We need to remember the... The, 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 the promise of God's provision. And this can cause a lot of unnecessary anxiety in our lives, but it doesn't have to because God has promised that he would do just that. Now, I, I think as we look at Jacob's response to, the, to God's encouragement and assurance, we need to consider a few more scriptures, and that is found in verses, same chapter 28, but 16 down through verse 22. In verse 16, that's the verse... Uh, in verse number 16, we see that Jacob recognizes that God has intervened in his life. Jacob realizes that this, is, that this requires some kind of response. I need to say something. I need to, I need to respond to this in some way. And so Jacob then begins to take the stones that he was using for a pillow 
and he made a pillar out of them. That's what the scripture says. It became a monument, a place of, of something sacred. And so, uh, and so he says, I've got to make a vow. I need to vow something to the Lord. I need to make a commitment. And uh, this vow, I, I guess it, some could read that to seem conditional. In other words, if God, if God does what he promised, then I will follow him. But uh, if we read 21 and 20, 21, 22, the Bible says, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that shall of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. I don't think Jacob was placing uh, some kind of condition on the Lord at all. I think, a, I think a more accurate translation would say that since God has promised me all of these things, I'm going to follow him. Not if, as in we use the word if, but since God has said I'm going to do all of this, then I want you to know that I am going to follow him as well. I don't think today you're serving him for the fishes and the loaves. That's what I'm driving at. I don't think you're serving him just for the fishes and the loaves. But because God has been such a provider, I have committed my ways to him. He's proven himself over and over and over again. God has proven himself. If our musicians would begin to make their way this morning, in either case, Jacob's response is to serve God and to worship him. And so we should respond to God's assurance to love us, to keep us, to preserve, to protect us. We should, we should respond with commitment to worship, to prayer, to the house of God, to the word of God. And the list could just go on and on and on and on and on. I'm going to tell you the reason I'm here today is God's been too good to me not to show up. That's the same reason I was here last Wednesday. God's been too good to me for me not to be here. Amen. I'm going to tell you if nothing gets in my way, if, I, if nothing will prohibit it, Wednesday coming, I'm going to be in this house because God has been too good to me. He's been too good to me. I'm going to be faithful to him. I'm going to love him. Amen, amen, amen. If God will give me breath, if God will give me breath, amen, for sure, tomorrow I'm going to be back in this book. I'm going to have my heart, I'm going to have my heart, my mind wrapped back into this book. If God will give me strength to give me breath, I'm going to, I'm going to begin my day on my knees before him in prayer. If you think I'm boasting, you are totally missing the point. If you think I'm patting my own self on the back, you are missing the point. I'm going to tell you, I pray because he's been too good to me not to pray. I get in his word because he's been too loyal. He's been too faithful to me. Amen. I want to be like David. I know we quote it all the time, but David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I'm gonna hide that word. Amen. The Lord told Ezekiel, amen, he set the word down before him and he said, eat it. Just eat the word. Consume it. Let it become a part of you. Hallelujah. Lord, let it become a part of me. So he said, devour this word. Ezekiel, eat this word and let it become a part of who you are. 
And so I don't want my Bible, I don't want the Word of God just to be another possession, another, another trinket, another something that I own, another something that bears my name. But I want the Word to be a part of who I am, the fabric of who I am, my thinking, amen, my, my response, my reaction. I want it to be all based and built upon the Word of God. Amen, let's stand together. Aren't you thankful for the assuring hand of the Lord? <laughs> Praise God. In your own way, why don't you just love him right now? Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. I love you today, Jesus, and I, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your loyalty, your faithfulness, God. You've never, you've never let me down. You've never let me down. You've always been there. Amen. I love you so much, Lord. I love you so much, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.